is up with donor advised funds. Are they a parking lot or an opportunity for fundraising? Hi, I'm Bill Stajakevich, and this is the first day from the fundraising school. And we're going to be looking at donor advised funds from a new study emanating from Giving USA. The managing editor of Giving USA is my colleague Anna Pruitt. And Anna, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, donor advised funds are housed both in community foundations and by private wealth management firms. And it's an opportunity for donors to put their money directly into those funds. They immediately receive a tax deduction, uh, if they're eligible for a tax deduction, for that donation. And they later make their contributions, charitable contributions, out of those donor advised funds, also known as DAFs. It's interesting, Anna, when we talk to fundraisers, they use phrases like, treacherous, black box, black hole, where does this money go? But your research finds that this is a very viable opportunity for fundraisers that dollars are flowing out to charitable organizations. What did your research find? Well, that's absolutely right, Bill. And I think like most great research projects, we started by listening to people's concerns. We checked in with stakeholders around the field. Mm -hmm. And really what we were hearing is that we didn't have answers to basic questions like what kinds of nonprofits receive the most grants from donor advised funds, which receive the least, and how has that changed over time? And one of the things that we were able to find with our study is that education receives the largest number of uh, or the largest amount of granting dollars from donor-advised funds. And religion gets the second most, which if you're a fan of Giving USA, and we sure hope that you are, uh, then you know that that's flip-flopped from the national picture uh, where religion it gets about one-third of all granting dollars and education is the second largest subsector. Now, as I mentioned, DAFs are uh, housed by community foundations and have been since the 1930s. Mm -hmm. The most recent trend in the last decade or so has been the movement of dollars into the DAFs held by private wealth management firms. In fact, the number one destination of charitable dollars these days are DAFs in the private sector, and four of the top 10 destinations of charitable dollars initially are going into these commercial donor advised funds. But your research shows the dollars are going out, right? Both from the community foundation DAFs and the commercial DAFs. What are you seeing in terms of the disbursement of these dollars? DAFs are not a parking lot, correct? DAFs are not a parking lot. Our, we were actually able to track about half of all granting dollars from donor advised funds over the course of our study. And we included in our study all different kinds of donor advised funds. So that includes national charities, like the type that you were just speaking of, mm -hmm. as well as community foundations. And one of the reasons why this is so innovative is that it's really hard to get that data. Mm -hmm. Because especially for uh, something like a community foundation, they're making grants from lots of different kinds of accounts, not just donor advised funds. So when we get that Schedule I data, we actually have to work with the community foundation to find out which grants came from donor advised funds. And that's part of what makes our study really unique. Anna, do we have a sense when you say education is the top destination, uh, is it primarily post-secondary education? Is it K through 12 education? A little bit of both. What are we seeing from the data? Right now, we are not able to drill down that mm -hmm. deeply, but we really hope to continue our work. We mm -hmm. know how important it is. We know how many questions people have. And that's absolutely a direction that we hope to go in the future. And when you talk about religion, this is the congregation. This is the temple, the mosque, the, the place of worship, not the faith-based social service center. Help our fundraisers understand that aspect of the giving through DAS. Absolutely. So 
something that uh, comes up all the time is that giving to religion for donor for uh, giving USA is very narrowly defined as congregational giving primarily. Uh, so something like Salvation Army, which is obviously very faith-based, mm -hmm. is technically qualified under the human services subsector. And human services for donor advised funds do perform about at the same level that they do okay. um, on the national picture. And so in Giving USA, normally religion is the top destination, followed by education and human services. Both the donor advised funds, uh, Anna and her colleagues have found out that that is flipped, that education is the top destination, followed by religion. But human service organizations still have an opportunity to fundraise from DAFs. What about those so-called public society benefit organizations? Where do they fit into this landscape? So public society benefit organizations include things like United Way and Jewish Federations mm -hmm. and other sort of pass-through large organizations. Um, and it can also include the ACLU and other kinds of lobbying organizations. We see that there's a slightly elevated uh, granting to public society benefit organizations from donor advised fund sponsors. And there's, we're also digging deeper into that question because we, again, we know that's of interest to people. So when you think of fundraisers, Anna, what really jumped out from these data? You know, you're doing this report, uh, you're sifting through the numbers, you're coming to your conclusions, and you think about those people on the front lines of fundraising. What really jumped off the pages for you as you were doing this work? The thing that really jumped off the pages to me is that the kinds of questions we often get from fundraisers are just like, I don't know where to start, I don't know where to begin. And really, donor advised funds, we're seeing that donors think of this as a way, as a tool to really achieve their philanthropic mm -hmm. goals. Obviously, the grants are still going out, and one of the things that donors like often have said um, anecdotally is that they like the opportunity to think carefully about how they're going to make that investment. So it seems like there's an opportunity there for fundraisers to have a conversation with their donors about if they, if, if they have a donor-advised fund, how they see that in all the scope of their philanthropic giving and how they can help them achieve their goals. We know that all donors are interested in impact. That, that is a common theme in fundraising today. The days of just making a charitable donation to good people because they're doing good work, those days are over. People want to see results. But from your last answer, can I infer that the, the donor with a donor advised fund is maybe a little more strategic than others? They're thinking a little more intentionally about their charitable giving. Can we understand that from this report? Uh, this report does not delve into donor um, what donors want exactly, but mm -hmm. what we can see is that um, definitely because there's a slight shift from the, nas the national picture, we know that people are very carefully considering what, uh, how they're apportioning their funds. And we hope to learn more about that and how that picture is changing over time as we continue our work. And as you continue your work, do we know yet, is, is a donor with a donor advised fund, is this their only vehicle for charitable giving? Or are they also giving out of their checkbook and out of their stock portfolio? Is this one of many avenues that they're utilizing. Do, does our research uh, know that yet? So our research did not cover that, but there are other studies that we have that indicate that what is more typically the case is that people have their donor advised funds sometimes in addition to other methods of giving. It's just one of the tools that people use. And so as fundraisers pay attention to this white hot trend, what's next on the research docket as you and your colleagues look at donor advised funds? So the kinds of questions that we are interested in, first of all, um, as donor advised funds continue to become more popular, we're very interested to see how those trends shift over time. And then another uh, 
area of interest for us is that we know anecdotally that a lot of people, given the changes to tax policy at the end of 2017, mm -hmm. made substantial donations to their donor-advised funds. Um, we're not sure exactly how that's going to shake out in the future, but we're very eager to see um, how these big donations to donor-advised funds might impact how and when people make their charitable gifts in the future. In fact, Anna, you know from our previous podcast, we've spoken with executives from Schwab and Vanguard and Fidelity. December of 2017 uh, for them was one of their best months, most busiest months ever with donor advised funds because of that change in tax policy. So, you know, a key aspect of the Indiana University Lilly Family School Philanthropy is all of our instruction is research-based. This isn't just a, somebody had an experience and wrote a book and here's the story they can tell, and that's wonderful. Those are good training opportunities for all of us. But at the Lilly Family School Philanthropy, our instruction is research-based with wonderful, talented colleagues like Anna Pruitt, and uh, we are diving deep into this topic of donor-advised funds. Uh, the, the fundraising takeaway here is so important. People, when we think about foundations, we think, oh, I'm going to go to the Foundation Center website, or I'm going to contact my local community foundation. They're going to let me know who those other family foundations are. Actually, with the donor advised funds, you're still meeting the individual. You're still developing a relationship with that individual. And later on, they tell you that they have a donor advised fund. And so there's really no magic or mystery to this. You're still doing your major gifts fundraising. It just so happens that the gift comes from that DAF. And by the way, when the gift comes from the DAF, the, the check might be from the Community Foundation or Schwab or Fidelity. Don't send the thank you note to Schwab or Fidelity. Still send the thank you note to that individual donor because they directed that gift at the end of the day. Anna's research and the research of her colleagues and her faculty is located on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu. And if you throw on a forward slash followed by the fundraising school, you find all the courses from the fundraising school as well as our quarterly webinars and even archived versions of these podcasts, all of which are easily obtainable through our app, which is available anywhere you are able to obtain an app for your technology device. I'm Bill Stajakevich, and you are now up to date on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.